Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast this week. This is God and Country presented by Beach Catholic. I'm Jordan Bernhardy alongside Joe Ciora, and we've really got a great uh, program planned for you today, uh, which I'll be introducing in a few minutes. But first, I want to toss it over to you, Joe, for a little recap of what we talked about on our last episode. So yeah, thanks, Jordan. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do a little bit of a recap and uh, reintroduce a story we spoke about last week. Uh, again, the goal of this show is to really provide you guys with the, the knowledge on various issues that you might not get from traditional media and a real Catholic perspective on, on the news of the day and what's going on. And so we'd be remiss to ignore uh, this troubling news out of the White House. Um, so the president, uh, they he claims to be... Uh, a devout Catholic, he uh, goes to mass every week, which is, you know, that's good. Um, but he also has, like we mentioned last week, these very anti, basically, let's be real, anti-Catholic views on things like abortion. And that's troubling. While it's hopeful that he's Catholic, it's also troubling that he doesn't always act it or doesn't frequently act it in this case. So uh, to, to give some context, uh, the previous administration, the Trump administration, was actually very pro-life. Uh, we were very lucky for four years to have a pro-life president. He spoke with the March for Life, uh, first president to do that. Some say the most pro-life president. So he uh, uh, went along with previous conservative presidents and enacted uh, this policy known as the Mexico City policy. That policy, uh, basically what it did was it would prohibit nations that take funding from the United States in forms of aid to then turn around and use that aid to perform abortions on, uh, on women who seek them in their countries for whatever reason, basically. So uh, President Biden now, his administration has come out and said on January 28th, they announced that they will not honor this policy anymore and sign an executive order to go back on the policy and allow basically these countries to use this money that is from our American taxpayer to perform abortions. Now, again, as a Catholic, that goes against his faith. Um, I'm going to play for you a, a question that uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki took from uh, a member of EWTN, Catholic News, uh, the Catholic a very Catholic uh, broadcasting corporation about this very issue of uh, pro-life. Well, I think we'll have more to say on the Mexico City policy in the coming days. Um, uh, but I will just take the opportunity to remind all of you that he is a devout Catholic and somebody who attends church regularly. So basically, there you go. You got her answer. Uh, not a great answer. She basically says, you know, the question was, uh, the president is uh, Catholic. Will he uh, allow his faith to guide him in uh, making policy, especially when it comes to the pro-life issue? A lot of people were anticipating this Mexico City decision uh, very quickly in his administration. Uh, and she basically says, you know, he goes to church. So there you go with that. Um, so that, again, disheartening, not what you want from a Catholic president, not the hopeful message we kind of we're hoping for and we were praying for last week. Jordan, what, what do you make of that? What do, you, what do we make of a president who we were, last, last, uh, last episode, we were hopeful. We were hoping that he could uh, turn it around. You know, we were honest. We said, you know, he hasn't really shown it. He hasn't really shown a lot of, of hope, but we were praying. What, like, this is, a, this is a blow, right? Yeah, Joe, I, th I think that's, that's a really good point that you made a bunch of good points there. Um, 
but I, I, you know, I think it's also so important to remember what what we can do as Catholics in a situation like this. The best thing that we can do is pray as maybe that sounds cliche. um, But legitimately, like we said on, on the previous show and, and like you'll kind of hear in today's show a little bit, never stop praying for conversions. I think that is such a big thing that we, we lose track of so much, especially in today's culture and this culture of, I don't like something. So it's canceled, you know, Never give up. Never stop praying for a change of heart, for a conversion of heart and mind so that these people, we have to pray that these people uh, have, like I said, a conversion of heart and mind to see uh, God's will um, and, and hopefully to carry it out here on earth. And with that being said, I want to introduce you to tonight's topic. We're going to be focusing on evangelization and media in terms of the church, especially during these times of COVID um, and and new ways that we're reaching out to people and things that are working, maybe things that aren't working, um, and really seeing how we can further spread the gospel. Nick Castelli is on the show. Uh, He'll be talking about his roles in evangelization and media, and we're going to get to Nick right now. So, Nick, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Jordan. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Uh, Take a minute just to introduce yourselves to our viewers who are not familiar with you. Sure. Uh, So my name is Nick. I, I work at Notre Dame Parish in New Hyde Park. I work as the evangelization coordinator, which covers a lot of like random things, uh, event planning, uh, media outreach, um, and pretty much anything just Father Scalero just needs me to do. Uh, so it's kind of just an all hands on deck position. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, you talk about this evangelization up there, um, and media go into that a little bit further. What, what are you up to up there specifically with media, uh, in both? Yeah. In both evangelization and media. Okay. So, uh, Evangelization, the main focus has been, um, well, let's take it back to something. To evangelize in a parish, I think one of the most important things is that you need to make the parish a place where people could bring other people to and then get something out of it. Because in reality, like the priest in the parish, you know, they're the priest. They exist at the parish to provide liturgy. But the parishioners themselves, they're the ones that work in the schools, work in offices. Like they work places where they can reach out to people to bring in. So the approach that me and Father Scalero have kind of taken is plan a lot of stuff that's very catechetical, that's very uh, liturgical, um, that you know shows what the church is and how to encounter Christ in a way that other people can just bring people to it. That way there's opportunities to bring people stuff. So we've been planning a lot of events. Uh, we have monthly holy hours. We do extraordinary form masses a lot. Uh, we do, we're doing screenings of the chosen during Lent. Uh, so that's like an interesting one. We do social events every once in a while, like men's and women's nights. Uh, we do retreats. Uh, we're doing Lenten retreats in the spring. We did retreats in the fall at the seminary. Um, and just like lots of various things like that. Bible studies, book groups. Uh, we're going to be doing a consecration to St. Joseph soon. Uh, so just different things for different categories of people that they might be interested in around the parish. And how do the people, how do the, your parishioners kind of respond to that? Is, is it a, it's been good. Yeah. Thing? Oh yeah. It's been good. People. So people come to stuff. So that's good. Like people actually yeah, come yeah. to these events, which is good. Uh, but it's interesting because you get to see different crowds too. 
like you could see parishioners kind of picking like what events they tend to resonate with. Like the people that were really into the Bible studies are not the same people that are necessarily into the holy hours or, you know, th different things like that. So you get to see people kind of finding their niche in the spiritual life and then getting to go with it, with whatever's going on around the parish. Hmm. What's like the, you know, with COVID and everything, talk a little bit about how you guys adapted to, you know, COVID in the beginning when everything was in lockdown. What was, how did you guys transition to, you know, reaching the people, your parishioners in that way in terms of evangelization? Sure. So when everything shut down, luckily for us, we had been doing media for a couple of years. So our Facebook pages and website and flock notes, like all those digital forms, uh, they were set up in a way that we could actually like use them. Like we, they would actually reach people because a lot of parishioners were on them already. Uh, so, you know, we did the typical things that a lot of parishes did, like set up the online masses and we did like virtual Bible studies, virtual stump the priest, which is another favorite event that parishioners have. Then we also did a lot of outreach, like community outreach. It was an interesting opportunity to have to think of ways to go outside the church building. So a lot of processions in New Hyde Park, drive-through confessions, um, outdoor events in general, especially at our grotto. We have a grotto that's modeled after the Our Lady of Lourdes grotto. Um, so a lot of different just outside the building type of stuff uh, to do, especially around major towns in New Hyde Park. Like one of my favorite photos is a photo of, I don't know, maybe 50, 55 people processing with the Eucharist and, Mar and Mary on, on the assumption, like outside the public high school, like just a lot of stuff like that we got to do. So it was cool. Yeah, so it's like, it's like the sacred and the secular. Yeah, it was. Together. Yeah, it That's was. We cool. hit, we made sure to go to a lot of public schools when we did that stuff. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah. So for people who don't know, uh, what is a procession? What What is that? Uh, so traditionally a procession is when, um, typically for some sort of feast. So it might be like Corpus Christi, um, a Marian feast, like whatever the occasion is. Uh, very simple. You just get a lot of people together. Um, you know, if you're processing with a Mary statue or the Eucharist, whatever that may be, and you process around town. Uh, and the idea of it is that it, it's a witness that you have here. You have a lot of people that are faithful. So it's a public witness that the church is like alive in there. And then you're also bringing something sacred into town to make people realize what it is so like a lot of processions if you look around like the internet and you could find like big processions around the country uh corpus christi processions are really big with massive numbers a lot of incense a lot of like canopies just to make people realize like something sacred is going on here so it's a way to bring the faith out of the church um and draw attention to it in a way that's not pompous but more in a way that says like look there's something like special going on here yeah, for COVID, it, that sounds like something that actually, you know, was something you could do easily with distancing and, and getting people out there without, you know, breaking any of the rules, as, as they say. Yeah, we had, we had when, it, when the primary shutdown happened, we weren't doing those types of processions because like people weren't allowed to leave their house. But we had like Father Scalero went in the back of a pickup truck holding the monstrance and we went through all the ta like uh, all the uh, uh, blocks in our parish territory Um we did a Corpus Christi one where people built altars around different big sections of New Hyde Park. And then Father Sclair would show up at each section with the Eucharist. And then there'd be like a small adoration in these different pockets. So uh, those aren't like traditional processions in the sense of like the strict, you know, walk in a line this way. But uh, it was a nice way to adapt and come up with a different model. Yeah. And, and like talk about evangelization and such a public thing. Like 
I, I would think, especially for for like a non parishioner or non Catholic, when you see something like that, something so public and so like uh, unusual coming down your street, it's got to get you kind of thinking and and at least like have an openness to maybe yeah. look into what's going on, something like that. Do you did you guys have any kind of response? We did like that. Yes. So at all these processions you know, whether the Corpus Christi, the Marian ones, like whatever they were, uh, I would always make sure I was walking around with a Notre Dame polo or something so that if somebody was looking for someone to talk to uh, for like information, like it was very obvious, you know, go to this person because father was always occupied. Um, I did have people coming up to me like, oh, where's this from? Oh, that's the brick church on New Hyde Park Road, right? Like, like stuff like that. Yeah. So making the connections. Actually, we, we, get, we got a, one of our parishioners called us on Easter Sunday, we did house blessings like we sent Father Scalero and our uh, three deacons went out and blessed like 500 houses that day. And one of the neighbors told us that obviously one of the parishioners told us that their Jewish neighbor called them and said, oh, wait, can he bless my house, too? So like it just, you know, it kind of got people moving and seeing stuff going on. So That's it was awesome. good. That's awesome. Uh, well, you know, one of the things that you do up there um, uh, in terms of media, um, you have a podcast that you recently started with Father Scalero, the yes. pastor up there. Uh, talk a little bit about that. It's called what is this? Uh, X Nilo. Nilo. Yes. Um, what is that? What does that mean? Uh, sure. So this podcast, if I mean, if anybody wants to listen to it, they can. It's like it's a public podcast, but we primarily made it for the parish because, uh, you know, catechesis in the church. You know, let's be honest with everybody. Catechesis in the church hasn't been that great in the last couple decades. So we kind of have this mission, like we need to recatechize the church. And that's not a mission just here on Long Island. That's like a, a global mission. So ex nihilo is from nothing. It's a Latin phrase. So the idea of it is that, okay, we're going to start from the very basics and work our way back up to catechizing. So what we do is we go through the catechism. We started from the very beginning and we haven't really gotten that far because, you know, we there's time restraints and mm -hmm. uh, the catechism is very long and we do very small sections. But the goal is to get through as much of the catechism as we can, starting from nothing. Like we're not going to start assuming, okay, everybody knows about the fall, so let's talk about original sin. Like, no, we're going to start from the very beginning. Well, what is what does it mean for God to interact with the world? And then things like that and move up. But following the the structure of the catechism. So that's that's what that podcast is about. I also post Father Scleros homilies there. So if anybody's looking for homilies, uh, those are on there. Yeah, I think in Long Beach, uh, the people have their hands filled with some homilies. Yeah, you guys put out a lot of homilies. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, with COVID, um, the more you could offer online, obviously, the better, because uh, like like we uh, like Father Brian actually says, you know, we got to make people know that we're, we didn't forget them. We're still here for them. The church is still their home. So um, in terms of media, in terms of extra stuff, I guess, like you said, you started this podcast, but like, how has the response been? And what have you noticed like um, an increase in, in the uh, um, I guess, hunger for this kind of content, especially now uh, media wise. Well, during the height of the pandemic, it was really strong because everybody was stuck at home. So we would have a lot of people watching stump the priest and things like that. Um, now people are really coming to stuff in person, but people still do listen to the, the podcast. And um, you know, I, we know people around the parish are, they like different online medias like Matt Frad and people like that. Um, but for the most part, we've been doing less of online programming and more in-person programming. Um, but we still do try to have some online programming for the homebound and for things like that. So that's, that's one of the main reasons we post as homilies every week uh, for that reason. Uh, but people were 
excited about it. And even from not even just an online event thing, the fact that like, you know, they could go on Facebook and very easily find out what's going on around the parish or they could see photos from stuff going on. Like that's been very helpful and people really like that and appreciate it because it's an easy way for them to participate in evangelization. All they have to do is hit the share button and whoever they're friends with will hopefully see it. Uh, so it's been very helpful in that sense. And people have been very enthusiastic about that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the same kind of thing that we've pretty much had down here. Like you say, I think Facebook is, you know, Facebook for, for all the bad it has, it, it's got these great opportunities. It affords great, like, evangelization territory um you know if you have good material it's a great place to put it out because people can just so easily share it and and get it to everybody um and obviously also that's not to say people shouldn't come back to church or people yeah don't need to come back obviously they they do they have to be in the building but it's also something to to be able to offer something supplemental especially during the time when people basically were not allowed to come into the building yeah, and there are certain programs that honestly, like me and Father Sclera were talking about this, that certain programs, it might actually be better in a digital format. Like we still, like, for example, a Bible study. We still, we still plan, we're going to do an in-person book group in April. I don't know what book yet, but something. Um, but the idea of doing a Bible study online is helpful because if somebody can't go every Tuesday of, you know, eight o'clock or whatever, they can listen to it on their own and still read the scriptures with you. So there is like a benefit to that as a tool that, yeah, we do want people to come in person, but. Um, you can work with people's flexibility that they need uh, in the, you know, working in the, the real world. Yeah. Like, especially if it's not, you know, it's not a mass where you have to re- receive the Eucharist. It's like yeah. something like a Bible study or, or a podcast or something like that, where it can kind of be a little less formal. Like, for example, like I, that's something that I probably wouldn't go to in person, a Bible study, but if I saw it on Facebook, like, or, or if I saw a podcast recording of it, like I'll throw it on in my car while I'm driving yeah. or while I'm at work. Like it's, I don't know, it just kind of passes the time. I, I agree with you. I don't like, I don't think me specifically, I don't think I would go to a Bible study in person, like commit to it weekly, but I would definitely listen to a series. Oh, I should also probably note to give like a fair shout out before I worked at Notre Dame, I did work at St. Mary's with you guys and father Brian. So a lot of what I do now, I did also learn from father Brian and from Anthony. So you know, thanks to them and Beach Catholic for getting my foot in the door. Absolutely. Glad to see you've moved on to bigger and better things. Oh, oh, not bigger and better. Oh, no. Hey, <laughs> oh, no. We're just different parishes, you know, different parishes, no We're competition. Little rivalry. Yeah. You got, I got the North Shore. You got the South Shore, you know. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, uh, one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on tonight, uh, you recently wrote, not recently, it's been a few months now, but um, it was an article going around on Facebook um, and it was it was done through an initiative in the parish um, called Spiritual Fools Disregarding Eternity. You talk about the COVID crisis, that whole situation that we're still living through, but you also take a look at our spiritual side of things, particularly the soul um, can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so this is just like a little blog that I wrote, you know, it posted on the parish pages and things like that. Um, basically I was just kind of, when did I, when did I, I don't try to remember when this happened oh. back in November, right? Yeah, no, this is when, uh, governor Cuomo, he put in new COVID restrictions at like, I think it was, everything has to be closed at 10 or something. Like he started cracking down again on the restaurants and the bars. Right. And, Virus uh, comes out at 10. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, so, <laughs> so 
I'm not going to, uh, so to make it clear, I'm not saying that masks and social distancing are bad and that putting these types of rules in place are bad. I don't really have a strong stance either way on that. And to be honest, I don't think that's an area that I'd be qualified to talk in anyway. My point though, when I was looking at that was like, you know, this is kind of getting ridiculous that we can do these types of things with very corporal things. But when it comes to the soul and spiritual life, like we just completely forget about that. We're not as scrupulous with our spiritual lives as we are with the way we're handling the virus. And again, I'm not saying we should disregard the efforts that are being made to handle the virus, but it shows that we are capable of using the same effort with our souls and we just don't. So I was thinking about like, why don't we, you know, what are the reasons for that? Um, so that's kind of where I was thinking when I was just reflecting on that. Is it where you get the, the idea of like the fool? Like oh, the so, one oh who... yeah. So that actually, so that's from Alphonse. So that's from St. Alphonse Liguori, uh, who is probably right now my favorite saint. He's uh he was a bishop and priest in Italy. Uh, and he's a doctor of the church now. He's known for, a he's a moral theologian. Uh, and his writings are very like, he has this this volume called the aesthetical works where he talks about a lot of different things like you know mary the cross the infancy narratives whatever one of them is called preparation for death and at the time roughly when this happened i had read that that book and one of the lines in there is when there's question of the body men speak rationally but when the soul's concerned they speak like fools mm-hmm. and when i read that i was like oh Okay, here we go. That's 2020 in a nutshell. I know it's 2021 yeah. now, but at the time it was 2020. Yeah, so, so what do you mean? What does he mean by that? So, I mean, look at look at right now what's happening with COVID, right? Right. We say, okay, where's the virus spreading? In a bar, right? Because there's close talk. People are, you know, not exactly in their best behavior, like with alcohol right. and stuff, right? Water so there's spit, the there's water spit, droplets, yeah. you know, whatever people are close to each other's face. Okay, great. That spreads the virus. We should shut that down. Seems fine. Like, again, I'm not going to comment on what's rational, what isn't. That's not my purpose here. But, okay, we see the problem. We see where it's spreading. We cut it off, right? Um, we're, we're speaking rationally about the body. We don't want to get this virus because it's, it's not going to be good. So we cut off the situation that's going to lead us to that. Now, translate that to the spiritual life with, like, a near occasion of sin, Right. Are we like, this is just a random example, by the way. I'm not calling out anyone in particular. If every time I open my phone and I go on Facebook and I see an image that like makes me think bad thoughts, whether it be impure thoughts or whether it be uncharitable thoughts, am I willing to cut that out to prevent me from committing those sins? And someone might say, no, well, why not? We're able to do it with everything else, like with a bar in COVID or with a restaurant, right? Like it's that kind of idea that we're not applying the same standard to the spiritual life as we are to the physical life. So people won't make uh, take the risk when it comes to their like uh, more like their mortality. Basically, they were a lot of people are afraid. Let, let's be honest, they're afraid to die. But when yeah. it comes to sin and their soul, the the fear there is not is not death. It's not as scary as death. And it's, a lot of people say the church will say that it should be scarier than death. Really? Wait, what should be scarier than death? The, the sin and and uh, oh yeah, it's yeah. on yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that part of the issue with this is our culture is we live, we live in a post-Christian culture. Like we're not a Christian culture anymore that thinks like this. So everybody in the culture, their only concern is death because they, you know, we live in an age where everybody's religiously indifferent. So there's no question of eternity in their mind in the first place. If all you care about is this life, then death is the worst thing possible because it's all over. 
you know, and that's actually one of the ways Alfonso Slagori starts out this book is like he describes like physically what happens when you die, like your body decays and then that's gone. Your memory, everybody's memory of you starts to decay. That's gone. Like he shows how if this is all you're concerned about, it all goes away. So for for somebody in the culture who's not religious and doesn't think about eternity, yeah, they have every right to be flipping out about death because that's the worst thing that can happen to them and the most certain thing that will happen to them at some point. But the, the issue becomes is that you're never going to conquer that. You're never going to conquer death on purely physical means. It's, it's uh, I forgot exactly what I said when I wrote it, but something like it's a prescription for chaos if that's going to be your line of thought because you're never going to win it on those terms. And um, I can't, yep, sorry. Oh, oh yes, yeah, so I was just going to say like, and that, that's a biblical teaching. That's, a, that's Matthew's yeah. gospel. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but uh, be afraid of those who could kill the soul. Be afraid of the one who could destroy, destroy the soul and the body in Gehenna. And that's kind of what you were hinting at, Joe, is like the church would say sin is more dangerous than death. The reason sin is more dangerous than death is because there's the potential to go to hell. And if you go to right. hell, you lose your entire soul for eternity. So, yeah. And I, I can't think of any better example than that, than the restrictions that were put on the churches by the government itself. So you had... You had uh, restaurants and bars and liquor stores that were allowed to be open. And then you'd have places like New York and California that have strict laws on church. Like church can, like everything else can be 50%, but church has to be 25%. And uh, the Supreme Court actually ruled recently in California that that is unconstitutional. Like they can't put that kind of limit on the church. With Archbishop Cordillon, I think. I believe so, yeah. And then uh, Brooklyn also had a Yeah, Bishop DeMarzio went after them too, yeah. And like, again, when the pandemic first started, nobody knew what was going on. So the churches were being reasonable, like, OK, we can you know, we can do this. We'll, we'll follow with what's going on because we don't know what's going on. But the, you see that now definitely in the culture, like that they don't understand the reason the church is so important in all this. It, you know, it, they don't they don't get it because they don't think of eternity. And like, church doesn't make them feel good the way like a restaurant or bar does. So, you know it's not going to help their physical life the same way. That's an interesting point you make, excuse me. Like you know, a a church doesn't, it's not going to make you feel the same way. Like you said, as, as a restaurant or a bar, but in like, in reality, you need to be in a church and you don't need to be in a restaurant or bar. Yeah. And by the way, so that's another thing, like those things, like, as Catholics, we don't hold that the world is like a terrible place. Like we're not yeah. those kind of Christians where it's like, you know, the soul's trapped in the body and the body is just this terrible cage that's like preventing us from reaching our fulfillment. No, the soul is good. The body's good. Creation's good. God created everything good. But everything's good in light of the eternal question. The whole point of this life is that we get to live and freely choose God. And then we get to know him through his creation. If we, disreg- if we disregard, this is, uh, this is Thomas Aquinas and Augustine, the whole problem with mortal sin is that you disregard the creator for the creature. And when you do that, everything gets disordered and everything gets screwed up. And that's pretty much what's happening right now. Yeah, it's like the, re- the, the how everything on earth, like everything that we do should be to glorify God in a sense where it's like, you know, like you say, doing things are great. Like, like going to restaurants is great. Doing this is great, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, those things are great and they should ultimately be used in a way that allows you 
to glorify God that like allows for the glory of God. It's when they lose that purpose and, and they become so high up, I think is when it gets dangerous. Yeah. It's when they disregard eternity mm-hmm. or disregard, exactly. they disregard the creator for the creature or for the yeah. things that the creature is associated with. And that's like, um, and that's another thing like, like with the, like Santa. So a lot of my spiritual life and the way I speak about like the spiritual world, but I'm not spiritual master or anything, but just the way I've been kind of like learning and progressing along this, I like I've been thinking a lot like Alphonse Sigori. And one of the things he always says is if nothing, if every if anything you do in your life is not directed towards the eternal question, it's a waste of time. Hmm. Now that doesn't mean you can't go to a restaurant and have fun, because like the, the glory of God is a human being fully alive, fully participating in creation and fully participating in the world he's created. But um it all has to have that perspective and we don't have that perspective well, yeah, that would be my argument to to the the strict lockdowns why not both why do we have to choose one or the other why is the church worse than the restaurant why you know like that doesn't make sense and that's where you see the clear disconnect between the you know uh obviously you know you have a disconnect between church and state but there's no it doesn't have to be like it's no it's a freedom of religion not freedom from religion basically yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That the, you don't get a, you know, the government's not going to come in and make us all Anglican or something. The right. way England is, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's the problem. People see religion as this relativistic thing because they don't see the objective, eternal problem. They're just thinking of it here. But, but my question is like, where does a problem like this come from? Like this, you talked about how we're a post-Christian society now. Like, and now that I think COVID has really it's it's said to some people like okay the church is closed like i i don't really need this this religion thing this catholic thing but it's said to other people like i you know i i wasn't really religious before um but i really think i need to be covid kind of served as a wake up call how do we how did we get to a point like this do you think so like the indifference of religion yeah um, I don't know. That's a complicated question. I'm not an expert in anything. So, uh, um, well, I guess, first of all, like, like people just don't, they don't believe. They yeah, have, exactly. And then you have to ask, like, why don't they believe? Mm-hmm. And I really think a lot of it is that we haven't taught the faith in a way where it's bold and firm. And this is real. We teach us, you know, that we live in a, the culture where religion's your, your private enterprise that you leave in your house, you don't bring it out for other people to, you know, push it on them. And because of that, we kind of downplay the role of it. We like, that's when you get a lot of people who say like, well, don't let your religious beliefs influence my perspective. Well, your religious belief is a, is a truth claim. And the truth claim is either true or false. And if it's true, then it's all relevant to your life too, as much as it is to mine. If the church teaches that contraception is a mortal sin, that is either true or it's false. And if it's true, then it applies to everybody, not just Catholics, right? If the church teaches that God exists and that one day you will come face to face with him for your particular judgment, that's true or it's false. If it's true, it's not a private matter. It's you're all held accountable to it. So because we've privatized religion, we've gotten to where we are now where we can kind of disregard it because it doesn't matter for the whole culture. But then, then some people would say, you know, uh, what about a theocracy 
like should we should we have a, a right goes a back religious to point. state like freedom of religion versus freedom from yeah. religion how, how did we look at something like that like, well would that be good would that be bad i mean i don't i don't know i'll be honest with you i don't really know what i would imagine that a theoc- I, don't, I don't really know to be honest with you how like mm-hmm. a theocracy thing would work i would not be inclined to, to say that's a go-to option but what i mean again what is the point of a government and what is the point of a law it's to enhance the good right it's for the good but if we can't agree on what the good is then how are we going to get anything done so like if a if a government so, and this is why also like I, I think thomas aquinas has principles on like how certain doctrines and teachings relate to laws now, I don't want to go too into that because I'm not an expert in that. But like the whole point is if nothing is if it's not designed to promote the greater good and we believe God is goodness itself, then what are we doing? We're wasting our time. We're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And good. And again, what is good depends on what you think about eternity. Right. Yeah. Like if you if you don't believe in eternity and this is all that matters, then, yeah, lock up the churches. It's a risk for people to get covid. Right. Lock up everything while we're at it. You know, it's a whole, we've we've seen that. Yeah. It's a whole for months, pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think that, is it harder now to, maybe this is a kind of a ridiculous question. Is it harder now to, to get people to come back after a, after a situation like COVID? Is it, do you think they are, in general, more receptive to a topic like this or, or less? When you say topic like this, what specifically are you referring to? Like just eternity and stuff? Yeah, or? yeah, eternity and, well, and and good and bad and, and truth. Well, so I, I know one person in particular, one of my close friends one time said to me, like, I don't remember if this was during COVID or pre-COVID or whatever, but it happened at some point where he was like, Nick, I'm going to die one day. Like, I don't know what happened, but for some reason that day he realized his mortality. And COVID has done that very thing. I don't remember the I don't remember which publisher put the article. I think it was the New York Times. Somebody wrote like this pandemic has forced us to think about our death but our minds are not designed to do that. And then a priest wrote back on Twitter on it saying, "Is it our minds aren't designed to do that or our souls aren't ready to do that?" Huh. That's the wow. big question. It's again, it's all the if this is this is in the epistles. I don't remember which epistle, but if Christ isn't raised from the dead, then our faith is empty and everything is nothing. Like that's that pretty much solves it. If eternity isn't our greatest aim, then this is all just a waste of time and meaningless and terrible. But we as Catholics, we believe in the eternal perspective. So I think that in terms of your question, um, I do know people now who are saying like, I'm going to take church much more seriously than I did before COVID. One, because it got taken away from them. So they realized what they missed. And two, because they're realizing like the faith is what's going to get you through these things. When all goes to hell with the body and the world, the faith still stands. You know, I think also what we've seen with COVID uh, kind of going off your point there is it's kind of thinned the flock out in a way where you, you had the people coming every week before the pandemic. Then you had a certain amount of people watching because, you know, you see the numbers when they're watching. And then now once you reopen again, obviously you have the people who are homebound and they can't come and they shouldn't come if they're old and at risk and everything else. But you, you there's a group of people where they're not back. You know, they they saw uh, the shutdown and they they did the opposite of what you said. They didn't say, oh, I'm going to die one day. I need this. They said, I'm going to die one day or 
I'm going to die one day, better live my life the way I want to live it, regardless of, of my faith or whatever faith they had before. Yeah. And like, so that that's a Fulton Sheen quote. Uh, I don't remember. It's in Life of Christ, but I don't remember what it specifically says, but it's something along the lines of, if you don't believe in, you won't believe in eternity if you don't believe in judgment, right? If you have that attitude, I'm just going to do whatever I want for this life because, you know, I'm going to die one day. Well, if you're not thinking there's an eternity that I'm going to be judged for whether my eternal uh, state is good or bad, then you don't really believe in eternity in the first place. So I think what we're seeing is like the idea of like a cultural church is, well, I mean, this has been happening for years, but now, especially with COVID, it got sped up. Like people that are just going to church because their parents made them or because, you know, uh, the culture says so, so, which it really doesn't anymore. But you get what I mean? Like, that's not really a thing anymore. Uh, and, you know, of course, we should we pray for those people and we want them to come back. Like, I'm not saying we disregard them, but it's making that reality more present. So obviously, the next question is, how do we get them back? How do you reach out to those people? I mean, I mean you've we've all done it. We've all tried, at least through media. I know you could speak on that. Um, and you've you've done so with uh, with what you said you guys have been doing with the catechesis in Notre Dame. Like, I know, obviously, that's a good start, but you know, what, what else can we do? What, where, what's the next step? I, I guess think, we have to admit we'd have, we have this problem first. Cause I think, well, yeah, I mean, everybody admits we have this problem. So. I, I think most people though admit this problem, like in terms of like pastors and priests, like most, and like, you know, people working in the church, like most, everybody knows that this is a problem. I mean, it's been a problem for a long time. Uh, so like everybody knows we have it. Um, I think first thing, I think we need to be bold. Like when we speak about the faith, we can't be lukewarm about the faith. We can't do the whole thing where we leave the faith in our room with, you know, the crosses and Mary statues in our houses. And then we don't talk about it outside of the house. We need to live as Catholics. And that's one of the things that Father Scalero has made like the goal of our podcast and the goal of our ministry is, is like make people think like a Catholic because we go out into the world and we all have that habit because of the culture we're raised in of leaving part of the faith in our private lives. But we need to go out radically thinking like a Catholic, interpreting the world as a Catholic, and then not being afraid to speak like a Catholic. Like we need to do that. It's got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be a lifestyle. Yeah. yeah like you, you can't, can't leave, you can't leave your Catholicism. Sit in the, the pews on Sunday. on Sunday, kneel for half an hour during mass and then walk out and say, all right, now I'm good till next week. Yeah. And that's the whole, like, that's, that's the reason why at the end of the mass, they say, go forth. The mass is ended. They're not dismissing you like, oh, mass is over. You could go home and, you know, have a good Sunday, which, you know, we want people to have a good Sunday, but the point of the go forth, the mass is ended. It's, it's the commission go out for bringing others, no, go out for the sake of bringing others back in. That's the whole point of it. Um, with that specific example. I think also we need to be bold when we talk about the faith. One of my favorite stories in the scriptures is in uh, Acts of the Apostles, where Peter goes into the Jewish synagogue. This is like after Pentecost. And he points at all the Jewish people who at the time like would have been responsible for putting Christ to death, because that's you know when they chanted for Barabbas and all that stuff. Um, and he says, you who killed him, God raised him up. He's kind of like smacking their face. Now, I'm not saying to go out and yeah, be uncharitable. I'm not saying to go be uncharitable with people, but my point is that he's yeah. making them realize what happened and what God did in response. And the people in the crowd um, responded with, oh no, like what do we do? And Peter's response, repent and believe in the gospel, be baptized. And it says in the scripture, I don't remember the exact number, but a couple like hundred were converted that day because he went in, he preached the faith boldly and people of goodwill will listen. So I think that's the key. That's and that's also like a great flashpoint to Ash Wednesday. 
because that's a lot of times, uh, you know, the priest has a few choices of what he says or the minister or whatever, when they, when they put the ashes on your head, but repent and believe in the gospel is, is one of them. So. Yeah. And what does it mean to, and what does it mean to repent? Like if we're going to be, if we're going to go out and evangelize, like we all need to be repenting, but like repenting, it goes back to the idea of thinking like a Catholic. Um, It's, it's a turning to God, like repent, turn. That's Monsignor Fink talked about, about this with me a lot where, you know, the point of repenting is to completely reorient your life to God. And that's like a lifelong process. It's not something you could do overnight. So, and by doing that, you live your witness and you speak about the faith and you do all that stuff. Well, I think, uh, Joe, you mentioned you threw an Ash Wednesday there. I think that's, that's such a great thing. It, it slipped my mind, um, this whole discussion. But again, such just a, a public thing that someone who's not familiar with the Catholic faith, who's, who's not a Christian, maybe doesn't know what's going on, it it gets like them the, thinking. It's like the Jewish neighbor Nick was talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly. we wanted his house blessed, too. Exactly. It reminds me of, I remember there were a few years ago, there was this video of a Father Brian homily uh, called like Confused People. And basically like, like live your faith so that it makes people think. Nick, like, you, like you're saying, bold Catholic stuff so that it does confuse people. It makes them think. And, and, you know, maybe it makes them go online and, and search for something, search for something like, like a podcast, like a Matt Frad podcast or, or, you know, something in their local like parish media. Um, and I think that is more prevalent in younger people. Um, I think like younger people are more, in this sense of like, why, why, why we want to know why yeah. we have to do something. We don't just, we're not just going to do something. We want to know why we're going to do it. Why are we Catholic? We're looking for the answers to the whys. Um, and I think confusing people in that way will make them look for the answer as to why we're doing it. Yeah. And that's a big Bishop. Bar- it's like, I'm a big Bishop, Bar- uh, Bishop Barron fan too. And that's a big Bishop Barron theme is like the reason a lot of young, specifically young people, the reason why a lot of these people leave the church is because they have questions to answers that the great tradition has actually answered for the most part. And we just don't give them, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, that's, that's really. And the thing about it is like, if we're going to live in the world, like as Catholics, like it's going to be really hard. Like the culture is against us. So for ourselves, like if you put your faith in yourself, like we're never going to get it. You know, we have to constantly be putting our faith in God, the sacraments, the church and falling onto him. That's another Alphonsus Liguori point is that God um, sends us spiritual dryness or spiritual temptations, like whatever it may be to humble ourselves to to recourse to him. So, you know, it's important to always do that. And to remember, too, that like wanting to convert someone to the faith, like evangelize them is an act of love. Because we believe that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all truth and goodness. And that when that person finds Christ and when they believe in him and repent and spend their life orienting themselves to him, they can be saved and enter an eternal reward. That's the whole John 316. God loved the world. Uh, so for that, God loved the world so that and gave, he gave his only son so that those who believe in him may not perish, but have eternal life. That's the whole point. So it's not, it's not, if you do it in an uncharitable way, it's not good. But if you're sharing the faith and trying to bring someone to the faith, 
you're doing the greatest act of love possible because the greatest good that you could give someone is to help them attain salvation, which is what we're all trying to do together in this life. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point you make about the kind of uncharitable thing. You know, some of this evangelization stuff, if it's not done you know, the right way per se, maybe for lack of a better term, but it can just come off as like, like judgy and, and yeah. completely off-putting like that, that might make someone turn away from the church more than just not knowing anything about it. Maybe they would be open to learning more about the church later in life. But yeah. then they heard, you know, they were in the situation where it was just a bad situation i don't know I, tough to explain but i think that um like you're saying like we have to realize that the goal is not to like it's not regulations and and all this it's it's ultimately so that people can can meet god face to face and spend eternity with him yeah and like that's i mean everybody's different hey everybody has different paths yeah. like and everybody has different uh difficulties with the church that we all work with. And that's one of the things I've really been learning a lot from working with Father Sclair was just watching how he interacts with different people because everybody in the parish is in a different spot. So you got to know the person, what they're doing. And even like Jesus himself, when you read the gospels, the way he interacts with certain people is very different. Like look at the way he interacts with the Pharisees as opposed to interacting with the woman at the well, right? Like it's vastly different or the way he interacts with Peter, like someone who, you know, I, I love the way he interacts with Peter because like watch and if anybody has watched the chosen like they illustrate that really well because peter is someone who has his faith in christ he knows who christ is he's accepted christ he gets it but he keeps failing but jesus can kind of be firm with him to keep him on track you know whereas again jesus in other cases is you know with the woman at the well he's a different approach like you just it's knowing where people are so yeah, you like you said meet him yeah. where they're at yeah you don't end up in that situation where it it doesn't come off correctly you know and I think that's what we're all trying to do here with this show, with with all the different efforts we're, we're trying to make. We're trying to meet people in different places. You know, it's not always going to be the same for everyone. It's not always going to be someone who walks into a church and has that moment, which we ho all pray that everyone has. But we know that that's not always going to happen for people. Like they're not going to get hit in the face when they walk into church and say, this is where I belong. So anywhere, anywhere you can get them, anywhere you can get them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Keep praying for conversions, like we said last time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's, yeah. If you don't pray for it, it won't happen, so. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Nick. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. And if anyone uh, is looking for more information on uh, Nick or his work at Notre Dame, uh, how can they connect with the parish? NotreDameNHP.com. That's the parish website. So right, short and sweet there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. The only thing I just want to throw in one more thing is yep. like St. Cause I know wrapping back to what we said about COVID in the beginning about like the eternal question, and all that uh, St. Augustine used to say on eternity, the great thought, that's it. The great thought. There is nothing in our life more important than working towards our salvation. And when we do that, we will order our entire lives in a very different way because we'll always be thinking about that. So that's kind of, you know, the takeaway message. If I could leave something, that's how I've been guiding my life and my prayer life 
And that's, and that's how, you know, St. Alphonsus has been directing me through his books. And um, that's the great question. That's the great concern. And that's always the first and foremost concern of Christ. And that the line in scripture I will uh, leave with is um, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but forfeit his soul. That's what it's all about. Love it. It's all about soul. There you go. All right. Notre Dame at HP.com. Thank you, Nick. Yep. You're welcome.